Shalom, and welcome to the Beit Tehillah Community Podcast, discovering the Hebrew roots of the Christian faith. And now, from beautiful Brandon, Florida, here are your hosts, Pastor Nick Plummer and Ryan Cabrera. Shalom, everybody, and welcome to the Beit Tehillah Community Podcast. This is your co-host, Ryan Cabrera, and I am in Studio A with Pastor Nick Plummer. Hey, Pastor Nick. Shalom. Great to be here. Man, all right. So a couple things, housekeeping items, reviews, reviews, reviews. We want your five-star reviews. If you have an iPhone, I know it's tough to get there, but I appreciate the effort. Uh, and emails, emails, emails. We want to hear from you. Uh, we want your questions. We want your uh, your love, all of those things. Um, we, we'll even take emails from those of you that may have some uh, some ideological differences with us. Uh, we love the discourse, and we love to hear from you. Uh, and then also, we want to pray for you guys. So if you guys have something you need prayer for, uh, you can reach out to me at uh, Ryan, R-Y-A-N, at topraise.net, topraise.net. Um, you can email me there. If you have a message for Pastor Nick, I can get it to him from there as well. Um, and we write back to everybody. So um, if you want to, I, okay, I say everybody. We try to write back to everybody. Um, if, uh, you want to live stream the services, you can live stream our services at topraise.net or any of our social media platforms, uh, every Saturday at 11 a.m. Eastern standard time. And, uh, I think that's what I got. Oh, and we are coming into the season of Teshuvah. Uh, this Saturday evening begins the month of Elul. Uh, and so at sundown on Saturday, Elul one begins here at uh, the Beit Tehillah congregation, we do a Daniel fast to commemorate the first three weeks of Elul, uh, just uh, getting ourselves ready for the fall feast. Uh, Teshuvah starts on Elul 1 and ends on Tishri 10, which is the Yom, the day of Yom Kippur. And uh, in there on Tishri 1, we also have uh, Yom Teruah or Rosh Hashanah. So uh, would love to, to hear what you guys are planning to do for the fall feast, how you guys are commemorating Teshuvah. If you want to join us in the Daniel fast, uh, we can send you literature on kind of how we do it here at our congregation. It is always best done in groups, and we'll help encourage you and love on you as you guys are fasting and getting ready for the Lord as well. So without further ado, we are in episode 112 of our podcast. Man, 112 episodes. And we're studying the Torah portion Re'e, which means see. And this can be found in the book of Deuteronomy, starting in chapter 11 and verse 26, and ending in chapter 16 and verse 17. All right, here we are in Deuteronomy chapter 11, verse 26, and also going all the way through chapter 16. Uh, in verse 17. So once again, this is the book of remembrance. It is the book of remembrance. So just remember that. Just remember that. Uh, Once again, these are the last words of a man who's not going into the land. These are the last words of a man that is not going into the land. Uh, It's been estimated that it's probably about a a 30-day period here coming at the end of the 40 years wandering in the wilderness. Uh, They're going to go into the promised land for Pesach and all that. And uh, very interesting uh, observation with the new leader, Joshua. So, you know, what what God has done here is is a blessing and a curse. So I'm going to go ahead and just read uh, Deuteronomy uh, chapter 11, verses 26 through 32, just to set the stage here for us. Here we go. Behold, I set before you this blessing, or this day a blessing and a curse. A blessing if you obey the commandments of the Lord your God, which I command you this day. And a curse, if you will not obey the commandments of the Lord your God, but turn aside out of the way which I command you this day, to go after other gods which you have not known. 
And it shall come to pass, when the Lord thy God hath brought thee into unto the land, whither thou goest to possess it, that thou shalt put the blessing upon Mount Gerizim, and the curse upon Mount Ebal. Are they not on the other side, Jordan, by the way, where the sun goeth down in the land of the Canaanites, which dwell in the, in the, in the, in the Champagne, over against Gilgal, beside the plains of Moray? For you shall pass over Jordan to go in to possess the land which the Lord your God giveth you, and you shall possess it and dwell therein. And you shall observe to do all the statutes and judgments which I set before you this day. You know, it's interesting, you know, as we come right out of the gate here, it says, are they not on the other side of Jordan? You know, this is a battle, folks. Uh, we're in a fight. And I'm telling you right now, it's very interesting uh, watching some documentaries and Nor about Normandy and D-Day and different things, you know, you, you couldn't just sit back and engage the enemy. You have to engage the enemy. You have to come to the enemy. You know, the enemy tries to put fear in you and uncertainty and dread and all that. So you'll stay away from the fight. But let me tell you something. We're bringing the fight to the enemy. That's what we're doing, you know. And so, you know, there's two things that God said before the people, a blessing and a curse. Uh, and, and you can't make this up. When I share about these things I'm sharing with you on this podcast, you cannot make these things up. And I don't believe in coincidences at all. Now, the blessing was put on Mount Gerizim and the curse was put upon Mount Ebal. Uh, now, listen, Mount Ebal's not cursed, but they, they placed a, a cursing there as like a, like a witness, like a representative, six tribes on one mountain, six tribes on the other to show you the contrast, you know, but really no area in the land of Israel is cursed. It was just showing you that, that here's the contrast. If you, if you obey, this is what you get. If you don't obey, this is what you get. Uh, and what's amazing is that our little Casey Anderson, our, our teenager, our youth, Ashley was in the vineyards on Mount Gerizim picking grapes. I kid you not, on the WhatsApp, you can actually uh, check it out. But anyway, the WhatsApp uh, with Casey Anderson over there and the Daughter of Zion program, she literally has picked grapes on Mount Gerizim. I mean, talk about timing. I, I tell you, Ryan, I didn't even realize this till just putting it all together just now, because like I said, it was this week that she was picking grapes, you know. And so once again, uh, we have a blessing and a curse, and the choice is, of course, yours. So let, let's move on to chapter 12. This is about worship only in the special place. Uh, I'm going to have Ryan read... Uh, Deuteronomy chapter 12, verses 1 through 7. We love the public reading of scriptures. Whatever you speak comes towards you. Remember that. That's right. All right, here it goes. 1 through 7, correct? That is it. All right. These are the statutes and judgments which ye shall observe to do in the land which the Lord God of thy fathers giveth thee to possess it all the days that ye live upon the earth. Ye shall utterly destroy all the places wherein the nations which ye shall possess serve their gods upon the high mountains and upon the hills and under every green tree. And ye shall overthrow their altars, and break their pillars, and burn their groves with fire. And ye shall hew down the graven images of their gods, and destroy the names of them out of that place. Ye shall not do so unto the Lord your God, but unto the place which the Lord your God shall choose out of all of your tribes to put his name there. Even unto his habitation shall ye seek, and thither thou shalt come." And thither ye shall bring your burnt offerings and your sacrifices and your tithes and heave offerings and your hand and your vows and your freewill offerings and the firstlings of your herds and of your flocks. And there ye shall eat before the Lord your God and ye shall rejoice in all that ye put your hand unto ye and your households wherein the Lord thy God hath blessed thee. 
Boy, this is awesome. You know, we, yeah, we wonder is. why Jerusalem is in the news all the time and Israel. You know, think about it. You know, uh, it is amazing. Uh, the Lord had a special place. He has a special place where his name is. And right. uh, and this is where the people could offer up their sacrifices. And that place is Yerushalayim, Jerusalem. This is the special place where he placed his name. Uh, it's been understood that the letter Sheen can be seen from the air, mm-hmm. which is a, uh, the letter represents... Uh, Yahweh. Uh, so the letter Sheen, because of the uh, two valleys and where the city sits, if you actually rise above that, you're going to see the letter Sheen. Well, uh, and from that, and, and so I think a lot of people know that the, the tabernacle itself stood in Shiloh for almost four, 400 years. Yeah, it was th- like 369 years. Well, guess what? It stood there for 369 years, right in between um, Jerusalem and Shiloh. Uh, if you look, there is a mountain range in there, and I've seen pictures of this from like a satellite image. And it, it spells out the Tetragrammatron, the, the yod heh vav with the mountains. That's interesting. And it's, and it's in between Jerusalem and, and Shiloh. So this, this greater area is obviously where God has put his name in multiple yeah. ways. And just remember that an altar is a sign of ownership. So whenever you establish an altar, it's all about ownership, right? Uh, because these sacrifices are supposed to go to the Lord. So Israel was not allowed to make sacrifices anywhere they wanted, right? You're going to see later on as they go into the land and go into the monarchy and all these other things after the time of the judges, uh, they start to build altars everywhere, you know, mm-hmm. and uh, worshiping to other gods. You know, what really shook me, Ryan, was the fact that about idolatry and worshiping other gods. We know there's only one God, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, but this is what really got me in their research. When you offer up other sacrifices and have other altars, you're literally worshiping demons. Ooh, not good. Fallen angels, demons. Uh, you're not following the instructions, you know, uh, and, and there you have it. And of course, uh, Israel was not allowed to eat the blood of animals. So as we establish, yeah, as, as we establish this, uh, this particular uh, Torah portion, I mean, this is the thing. Uh, the Temple Mount in Jerusalem is special. We know that even the uh, U.S. Embassy was moved to Jerusalem. Uh, and so here we have this Temple Mount, you know, and I know there's a big debate about where the Temple Mount is or whatever, but forget about all of that. I mean, there's not that much of a debate. <laughs> I'm just saying that it's always a controversy about something, you know. Right. Uh, but the bottom line is that the scriptures are very clear that the Antichrist will sit in the temple, and uh, there will be a temple that will be built. That's uh, right. There's a lot of debate over whether the Messiah builds it or not, but there will be something on that Temple Mount. Uh, it might be a, a, a huge uh, temple for the prayer of the nations. Uh, I don't know, but I'm just going to say that... Uh, and not that the Dome of the Rock is going to be removed. I don't know. I'm just telling all of you what the scriptures say, that uh, there will be a building or a temple up there, some form of, of building where the Antichrist will sit in it. I don't have the exact address, but it's found in Thessalonians. So, you know, the Temple Mount is very, very important. So it's, I found it's a, a holy place. I found a couple things interesting. So specific to the Temple Mount itself, um, so what was the name of this this mountain? Do you remember... From Genesis. Moriah. So this is, it's Mount Moriah, Mount right? Mount Moriah. So I know a lot of people think Mount Zion. Mount Zion is actually a mountain, you know, very close by. But Mount Moriah was the name. And so it's significant because this is the place where Abraham was going to sacrifice his That's son right. Isaac. 
and that rock is under the dome of the rock, they believe. That's correct. There's a huge rock that protrudes out. It's, it's pretty incredible. And, and uh, this is also where Melchizedek, he was the king of Salem, which is Jerusalem. And so this is the place where he ruled from. But I found something interesting. So here we're reading the scripture, and it says right here that, uh, but unto the place, in verse 5, but unto the place which the Lord your God shall choose out of all your tribes to put his name there. So there's a place, right? And we hear uh, the Temple Mount called the place many times throughout Scripture. But I looked up the meaning of Moriah. You ever you ever been curious to know what Moriah That's means? Pastor Russell's sister. Ah, uh, but here's what's cool about Moriah. So Moriah is the Hebrews uh, concordance number forty one seventy nine, and you know what it means? Chosen by God. Chosen by God. Chosen by Yahweh. So there you go. He chose it. And it also, and this is also kind of crazy. It also it can be translated. God sees or seen by God. So Mount Moriah is the place that is seen by God. We just happen to be studying the Torah portion, Re, which means Behold, see, see. see. And uh, it also it means chosen by Yahweh. And this is the place that God will choose. So just know that um, even though the temple wasn't established at this point, even all the way back to Abraham, this is the place where God has chosen, and this is the place that he wants us to make a conscious decision that we should be turned with a focus towards Jerusalem, with a focus towards that place. The real Yerushalayim, you know, and so, you know, think about it, right? It's coming down the pike here, you know, uh, in, in evangelical eschatology among the Christians, you know, uh, there's this, uh, I don't know, there's this thing that uh, would tell us to stay away from the Jews, stay away from Israel, stay away from Jerusalem, the Antichrist. Listen, I think we should run to this place. I think we should be running to where God is, is acting and moving, like like demons know no bounds. Are you kidding me? They, they, they're going to come anywhere. You know, they're going to come in, in America. They're here now. They're in the government. Demons are everywhere, folks. And, and I'm only sharing this because, you know, rethink your eschatology. You know, rethink it. You know, really, really begin to think about it. You know, what's trying to push us away from Israel, the Jewish people, and the capital? Of, of the of the of the of the nation of Israel, which is Jerusalem. Now, he goes on to say, you know, uh, what things soever I command you, observe to do it. Thou shalt not add thereto, nor diminish from it. Very interesting. You know, we, we have a little problem here among the Christians and the Jews. Uh, Christians like to take away from the Word of God, and the Jews, of course, have added to the Word of God. We right. can absolutely see this positively. So we got to find this balance here. But he says, don't, don't add to it or diminish from it. Uh, very, very interesting. You know, um, I guess some of the kids in New Jerusalem got in trouble and the teacher said, I want you to write me a paper on why it's important to follow instructions. Ooh. So Micah looked at me and says, hey, dad, I got to write this paper. So I said, well, just think about instructions. What comes to mind? What comes to mind? Instructions or teachings. And he goes, Torah. Ooh. So, you know, he, he wrote his paper. I don't know if he put that in there or not, but we got talking about teachings and instructions that if you don't follow them, it can be, it can be a problem. So what you're saying is obedience brings the blessing, you know, why is it, disobedience yeah. brings the curses. Think about it, why is it important to follow instructions? Is a stop sign an instruction? It is. It's, it's a matter of life or death. So it's for your safety and the safety Think of others. Think about it. Wow. So we're moving on. We've done... Deuteronomy chapters 11, and we've hit 12. And now we're going to get into, which is very interesting, Deuteronomy 13, verses 1 through 5. I'm going to have Ryan read that. This is going right into the false prophets. Notice 13 means rebellion. Yep, and the there, are, 13. And there so are some other interesting... Verses 1 through 5, the false prophets. Oh, see, don't add to my word. Don't take away. 
Watch out for these people. That's right. So it says, If there arise among you a prophet or a dreamer of dreams, and giveth thee a sign or a wonder, and the sign or the wonder come to pass, whereof he spake unto thee, saying, Let us go after other gods which thou hast not known, and let us serve them. Thou shalt not hearken unto the words of that prophet or that dreamer of dreams, for the Lord your God proveth you to know whether ye love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul. Ye shall walk, a- ye shall walk after the Lord your God, and fear him, and keep his commandments, and obey his voice, and ye shall serve him, and cleave unto him. And that prophet, or that dreamer of dreams, shall be put to death, because he hath spoken to turn you away from the Lord your God, which brought you out of the land of Egypt, and redeemed you out of the house of bondage, to thrust thee out of the way which the Lord thy God commanded thee to walk in. So shalt thou put the evil away from the midst of thee. There you have it. It's self-explanatory. These, these false prophets and these dreamers, you know. You know what I notice about the false prophets? They always draw people to themselves. Yeah. You know, I have a dream and, and this and that. And, oh, if you'll, you'll just study this prophecy. And if you look at this, you know, and I was, I was just, you know, talking to the Lord. And, and you got to be careful. You know, where, where is this leading us? You Where do need is to be this careful. person leading us? You know? So Yeshua, they were warned about the false prophets and yeah. the dreamers, the, the children of Israel. They were, and Yeshua warns about this too in Matthew uh, chapter twenty-four, starting in uh, verse twenty-three. It says, "Then if any man shall say unto you, Lo, here is Christ, or there, believe it not, for there shall arise false Christs and false prophets, and shall show great signs and wonders, insomuch that if it were possible, they shall deceive the very elect." Behold, I have told you before, wherefore, if they shall say unto you, Behold, he is in the desert, go not forth. Behold, he is in the secret chambers, believe it not. Here's the bottom line. Yeshua went up, and he's going to come back the way that he came. So it's not going to be something to where you're going to have any confusion as to who Yeshua is or who who the Messiah is. Right. If they say, oh, he's in the desert, or oh, he's there, guess what? It's not the Messiah. No, it's a cult of personality. Yeah, you know? exactly right. And, and, and here's another thing too, Ryan, that we got to be very careful of. The false prophet or dreamer could do signs and wonders in order to lead the people astray. Right, that's right. You know, and, and, and let me tell you something. That's Hard what believe. a familiar spirit is like. Let's say somebody comes up to you and they want to start to, you know, uh, to read you or say, hey, you know, let me kind of tell you your fortune or, <laughs> and, and they know some things about you. Not it's familiar spirits, folks. That's right, absolutely. You know, it's exactly what it is. And so we're so enamored uh, with the occult. Matter of fact, if you if you even go and, and look at the cable networks or whatever, all these shows about, you know, mediums and, 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 and going to haunted places, and st- I would never want to stir that stuff up. Are you kidding me? Because it's real. It's real. And we're, we're fascinated, of course, with the paranormal. Now, this is where it gets to be really, really good, Ryan. You know, uh, so many times I'm like, get these false prophets and these dreamers out of our congregation. They're just causing problems. You got to be rebuked, you know, and that's why it's important to do that. Um, but hey, God allows the false prophet or dreamer to be in the congregation to test his people, Ryan. Deuteronomy 13.3. You know, I've learned even with false doctrine and all these other things that are going on, uh, you know, uh, it's going to draw other people. So you got to let it kind of play out sometimes uh, so you can get the full vetting process, you know, get, get, the, get the congregation, you know, cleaned out. Um, and so once again, you know, uh, he allows it to happen to test us. Yeah. You know, we're, we're being tested right now, Ryan. Do we really love the Jewish people and respect them? Do we really love the city of Jerusalem? Do we? I mean, think about it. You yeah. know? And, and it says right here in Deuteronomy 13.5, let me read this. 
And that prophet or that dreamer of dreams shall be put to death because he hath spoken to turn you away from the Lord your God, which brought you out of the land of Egypt and redeemed you out of the house of bondage to thrust thee out of the way which the Lord thy God commanded thee to walk in. So shalt thou put the evil away from the midst of thee. Deuteronomy 13, 5. You know, and I'm not here to call out anybody, any ministers or ministries, but I've, I've seen them on TV. I, I, I know some personally. They were getting into dreams and stuff, you know, and telling the congregation their dreams. But it was like their personal dream that they interpreted right. to manipulate, you know, to get what they want, you know. It, it would be like me getting in front of the congregation or whatever, and it would be like off-the-wall kind of things, you know. Uh, oh, you know, he's having dreams from God and this and that. Now, now we can have God speak to us. We could be inspired. We could have inspiration. You know, I believe that this is from the Lord, you know. But to say, like, thus saith the Lord, you better make sure it's the Lord. You know, because otherwise you'll be a false prophet. And you know, right, it's interesting. You only get one shot at it. You know, like if you say, I feel very strong about this or I have this, I have this feeling, you know, you're, you're safer to go in that way than to say, thus saith the Lord. And then it doesn't come to pass. Because once you miss a prophecy, it's like, that's, no, it's like Nostradamus. That's true. That's right. Well, and uh, you, you know, false prophet. I mean, you know, he's get what? He's got like a, I don't know. He, he's missed, he's missed some He's prophecies. got like a 3%. I don't know what it is, but people are just fascinated with Nostradamus. So anyway, um, so God warned his people not to be enticed by a close relative who could lead them astray. Oh, yeah. No, that's that's a tough one. You know, a lot of this stuff is done in ignorance when it comes to our family, everyone. I know every one of us are having issues and challenges with our immediate family on both sides, uh, the husband and the wife. And and so, like I said, you know, it's a lot of ignorance. You know, like the, the Torah has been done away with. You know, they don't mean any harm. But they just do it in ignorance. No, the Torah's not been done away with. My goodness. If the Torah is the mind of God, and they say, oh, that's been done away with. I mean, what's between his two ears? I mean, think about it. If it's the mind of God, you know, and he doesn't change, you know, and that's where people really miss it. They miss the principles. They miss, you know, they miss the whole essence of what what God is, that he doesn't change, you know. And so we, we just got to keep that in mind. So the punishment for the close relative who would try to lead God's people astray would be, of course, a stoning. Uh, and so that's the punishment. Now, the relative of the one trying to be led astray had to throw the first stone. Yeah. Well, I hope you got good family values there. Close family, knit family. <laughs> to have to throw that first stone. That's, that's, that's tough. That's going to be but tough. But that goes along with the whole idea of the Torah, that it's, it's self-governance, right? That the governance is, is among the people and that everybody has, has a, um, what do they say, a, a bone? What do they, what do they say? They got a bone to pick with you? No, 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 like a dog in the fight, Blood right? Everybody's got, got a... Um, Blood is thicker than water? No, no, no. It, it's, it's basically that, that everybody has an interest. That it's not just as simple as, oh, the government, because, you know, nowadays everybody's like, oh, gun control this or this or that, right? But at the end of the day, or no violence, we're against violence, but yet we have a system where where it's just violence by proxy, right? The government is going to show up, <laughs> and they're, if you don't follow the law, they're going to exact the violence, right? Or right. meet it out. So yeah. it, this, is, this is a situation where, hey, listen, if something's serious enough to be punished, then the people are going to, to uh, be the ones involved with that punishment rather than just, you know, outsourcing it off to some, you know, entity that's nameless and faceless, the government, right? Oh, which, that's true. Yeah, which is part of the problem we have. I mean, everybody's talking about all this stuff like deep state. This doesn't exist here. The deep state is you. You are the deep state in in the Torah because you are the people involved with um, with you know taking care of of the people and and exacting the judgments and things like that. You know, 
Ryan, this is something I learned after 20 years in Torah. There are three areas uh, that have to be looked at here that are corrupted. First of all, you go into the individual, which is, of course, a part of the community. Then you get into your relatives, part number two, and number three are the cities. So you hit these three areas, you can destroy a society. If the enemy can infiltrate the church, the community, then he can affect the city. Right. Because churches, you know, live in the communities. And, and they've even proven that when churches leave certain areas or neighborhoods, darkness comes in. Crime goes up. There's more sin. Uh, they say wherever there's a church, there's less crime. Yeah. Uh, they've already proven that. So that's just something to think about, you know. So um, the God commanded his people to destroy the whole city if the inhabitants tried to get the people to serve other gods. Remember that. And all the spoil of the city was burned with fire. You can't even enjoy it. Yeah. All the spoil of the city was burned with fire. So if you hear a little, a little child in the background, that's Eva Jesse. She's with her daddy today. She is. And she drew me two beautiful little pictures here, and, and she's doing good today. And so far, I got nothing. This is good. <laughs> what do you mean, nothing? She didn't draw me any pictures. Well, we'll see what we can do. <laughs> so, you know, this is why, you know, I thank the Lord for Torah. You know, I truly, truly love the Torah. We, we delight in his Shabbat. We delight in the Torah. Uh, I want to just encourage you all to, to be in the Torah portions. If you're going to do a devotion or if you're going to stay in tune, please stay in the Torah, the weekly Torah portions. I believe this is how God is speaking to us. Once again, I shared it before and I'll share it again. This was talking about the blessing would go on Mount Gerizim. The curse was, of course, uh, proclaimed from Mount Ebal. Now, Casey Anderson is one of our youth. We, we have a, a good relationship with Hayovel, and people are going there to either prune, plant, or do the harvest. I'm telling you, Casey is actually uh, on our worship team. Beautiful singer, beautiful worshiper, and plays guitar, sings. Uh, you, need to check, you need to check out some of our videos on our YouTube channel. But I'm telling you this because she's over there literally picking grapes off of Mount Gerizim. That's right. Now, what do we want to do, Ryan? We want to build a strong community and raise the next generation. Yeah. Get rid of the riffraff. She's there for three months. Get rid months. of the foolishness. She's there for three yeah. months. And God gave her the finance. She, she put it all together. And, and God is That's just incredible. awesome. So here we are. We've done Deuteronomy chapters 11, 12, 13. Uh, now we're going to go ahead and get into chapter 14. Uh, the Lord did forbid his people to cut themselves. You know, mm. uh, that's a sign of, uh, you know, destruction, a spirit of destruction or murder to, to cut yourselves. We know young people have done it. People would cut themselves. Um, and once again, this is a real issue, even in today's culture, teenagers cutting themselves. Well, and do you remember the prophets of Baal and the story of Elijah where they're trying to get their stuff they lit? They cut themselves. They started cutting they themselves. That, that would help. Yeah. Know? Yeah. It's crazy. God you know? does not want you to cut yourself. <laughs> think about all these things that he's touching on, everybody. Yeah. Uh, when, you, when you really don't add or take away from my word, he says, don't listen to these false prophets, these dreamers. Remember he said like, you know... Uh, worship only in, in, where my name is. These are like bullet points, you know. Oh, yeah. These are like bullet points that are so important for today, you know. And, and I was just really thinking about it. Even back in 2015, the Lord really turned my heart going going back into that portion that we're in now, but towards the real city of Jerusalem, you know. Uh, we talk about uh, about the future coming uh, of Yeshua and even a, a new heaven, a new earth, and the new Jerusalem in Revelation. But we, we need to check out the Jerusalem. That's the reality for today. So so we get into chapter 14, and now all of a sudden he's going into uh, telling his people only eat clean meats. Uh, and so how was an animal determined clean, Ryan? Uh, in well, Deuteronomy 14, says, how was an animal 
determined clean. So what, it, what two requirements? If it had a split hoof and it chewed the cud. But you know what's interesting about this verse? Did you know that this is where it is commanded to eat meat? Everybody's telling me that, like, hey, if you follow the Torah, you'll be a vegetarian. But here it says this. It says, And every beast that parteth the hoof and cleaveth the cleft into two claws and cheweth the cud among the beast, that ye shall eat. That sounds like a direct command to me, that you have to eat meat. I don't, I don't know about you if that sounds like I that to you. I think it's some moderation, Ryan. Let's not go after the vegans. <laughs> I'm just kidding. Let's not go after the That's vegetarians. That's a joke. I need a, a joke. plant-based diet right now myself. Yeah, well. that well, If we're, you're if, like O-blood type. You're, you're, I call, I call them T-Rexes, no, carnivores. That would be me. The, 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 the O's. Yeah. I'm an O. Yeah. You, are you, you an O? No. What are you? I'm AB positive. Uh, uh, I'm O positive. So, AB positive. So what's cool about that is I'm the re- universal recipient, whereas O negative is the universal donor. So I can take everybody, receive. everybody can bring in, bring it for me. Boy, that's good to know. It is. So, so once again, what, what's got to be determined to eat this animal, Ryan? To determine it was clean, two two requirements. What was it? It was a split hoof and chewed the cud. A split hoof and chewed the cud. Once again, uh, now why can't we eat pig or pork? Uh, well, what's, so so this is this is important. This? It's a distinction here, right? Because it does have a split hoof. Right? It does. It does. So on the surface, if you just yeah. look at it, you would think. Hey. But if you pay closer attention, it doesn't chew the cud. Now I have a couple thoughts here. My first thought being um, that if science advances to the point where they can genetically modify a pig to where it chews the cud is it now clean or kosher i would say no mm, interesting so that's just modified. that's just one for you guys to ponder for yourselves just had to throw that in there huh you know I'm just... oh i'll tell you and then and then the second GMOs. thing was they uh in in uh the, the rabbis the sages they actually compare chewing the cud to refinement of character, right? So they say, "Hey, we don't we don't eat the pig because it doesn't have refined character." And there's even some uh, some of them that will say that when Mashiach comes, that pig will become kosher because the pigs will have refined character. Now, I don't know how to put all that stuff together, but I thought it was interesting little thoughts that they have on uh, on the hope that we have for the future. I tell you, and th- here we have these animals. But what about this? What are the two requirements needed to eat something out of the water, Ryan? What are the two requirements needed to eat something out of the water? Fins and scales. Fins and scales. So you so, and I... So you got any ideas on that? Oh, well, you and I were eating uh, lunch with an Orthodox Jew. This is probably a couple years ago now. A gentleman that was coming to visit, and I'll re- let him remain nameless. And we were at a, a, a seafood restaurant, and, you know, it can be a little cumbersome. You know, you have an Orthodox Jew trying to figure out what to eat. Um, you know, uh, what am I going to do here? So he orders the fish because, you know, depending on, you know, their rabbi or whatever sect they're from, you know, they can order at restaurants and stuff like that. So we order it, and he says, hey, so there's the trout. Because we didn't know. None of us knew if trout was kosher, if it had fins and scales. Well, lo and behold, he and I both ordered the trout, and it comes out, and on the plate, guess what? The fins and the scales were still on it. Remember? Do you remember this? It still had the fins on no, it. No, I don't. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, it still had the fins on it. So it had like, like it was like cut in half, right? And so the backside still had the stuff on it, and the front side didn't. Was that when we went to? Uh... Uh, it was. Um, it was. Uh, Bonefish, Bonefish grill. grill. Bonefish grill. Yeah. Bonefish grill. Yeah. You know, it, it, it's interesting. You know, you can have. You know, going back to the animals, you can have bison burgers. Oh yeah. Uh, you can have chicken, turkey. You know, uh, think about it. I, Did I mean, you know that giraffes have a split hoof and chew the cud? You know, this is that neck could feed a large family. I may skip that one, though. I would skip that yeah, one. That's I'm, very interesting. Uh, once again, you guys can check this out for yourself. 
so you can have like trout, you can have flounder, mm. you can have bass. Yeah. Red snapper, I believe. Ah, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, fin- fins and scales. I mean, like, it's just... You- it's funny when you go to a restaurant, you'll ask them, does that fish have fins and scales? And I'll tell you, every time they say, I'll have to go ask the chef. So here's what's interesting. You think they would be a little up on the uh, menu. But what's interesting about this scales, is... Especially Florida. All of a sudden, you know, I think people in general, if you're an American, you just go places and you just eat whatever. You know what I mean? Like, you just have this mindset. Like, But now you have to think about, like, well, okay, so where did this animal come from? What kind of... Like, you're actually having to think about what am salmon. I Salmon. You can have salmon. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Very good. I like salmon. So moving on here. You know, this is like bullet points. These are like like main points that, that Moses is making here. Uh, and so uh, what was to be tithed by God's people, Ryan? In Deuteronomy 14, 22. What was to be tithed? By God's people. Once again, this is an agricultural society. Yeah, so it was the increase of the seed that the field brings year by year. Wow. Think about it. The increase of the seed that the field brings year by year. So think about your income. So, Ryan, let's say you sell your house. Should you tithe off the uh, the profit of that house? Absolutely. Very good. You passed the test. What if you sell a car? Uh, did I profit on it? If you made a profit, like on a car, you oh, sold yeah. a car. Then for sure. Not about a trade-in, but yeah, if you if you made a profit off a car, uh, that's income that you can tithe. You know, some people uh, have come up to me and asked me about that. Uh, and I would say, you know, um, yeah, from, from your income, you should tithe. Now, if the distance was too long to bring the fruit of the land and the, uh, and the children of Israel uh, could bring money instead. The children of Israel could bring money instead of the fruit of the land. So check that out. And of course, uh, once again, the Levite was not to be forsaken within the gates. Don't forsake the Levite. He's the one that you go to when you have your problems. Isn't it interesting, our culture today, the opposite of going to the clergy and all the corruption and all the pedophiles and all the stuff that's going on all over the world in every institution, in, in every crevice of life or aspect of life, that the enemy would keep people away from the clergy. You know, if you had a problem, you yeah. went to the priests. Uh, you know what I mean? So think about it. Uh, going into the seventh year, uh, we have, of course, uh, a release. Uh, this took place every seven years in Deuteronomy 15. The seventh year was a year of release. Very interesting. You know, uh, uh, it's been said that uh, a minister was sharing about like if you go through a divorce, you know, it takes uh, seven years to complete that, that cycle of that, of that divorce and that things will start to change and look up and be better. But that pain is felt for, for a while there. I'm telling you, Ryan, it's a release the seventh year, uh, in Deuteronomy 15, six for the Lord, thy God blesseth thee as he promised thee and thou shalt lend unto many nations, but thou shalt not borrow. Praise God. Thou shalt reign over many nations, but they shall not reign over thee. Very good. Dave Ramsey, we want to dedicate this verse to you. <laughs> but thou shalt not borrow. You know, if you, if, you, if, you, if you can't afford it, you don't buy it. If you don't have the money, don't put it on credit. But thou shalt reign over many nations. Very interesting. You know, uh, we are doing the Financial Peace University here at Bait to Heal on Tuesday nights. We're finishing up here. Got a couple more sessions, but uh, my wife and I are putting together a budget and doing all of that. It's very interesting. But once again, it's, it's a way for the bride to prepare herself. Remember that. Debt is a sin. You know, getting drunk is a sin. Adultery is a sin. You, you don't want to be in debt. You want to get out of debt, you know. And I know we have mortgages and things, but we have to get out of debt. Remember that, everyone, as you are a bride preparing yourself. Uh, the children of Israel are to help their brethren if they were poor. 
Okay. And of course, uh, we have this next uh, verse. The Lord said that there would always be poor people in the land. Wait, I thought Jesus said that. Yeah, but that's in Matthew 26, 11. He did say that. But you know, what's interesting, Ryan, is this. If you go back and study the sacrifices um, in Leviticus, by the way, which is my favorite book, uh, there are three classes of people found within those sacrifices. You have the upper class, the middle class, and then, of course, the poor. Well, the upper class could do like a bull. That's a rich, it's a rich guy. That's Trump. Then, of course, you have... Um, you have... Uh, oh, then you have the middle class, which is like lambs and goats and things. And then, of course, the poor could do birds or flower. Isn't that interesting? Yeah. So, once again, even Yeshua said, the poor you will always have in the land... Um, so he was just repeating Deuteronomy. I'm telling you, Deuteronomy 15, 12. And if thy brother, a Hebrew man or a Hebrew woman, be sold unto thee and serve thee six years, then in the seventh year thou shalt let him go free from thee. Once again, this is not about a slave, a slave mentality or slaves. This is about this is about commerce. This it's an is about economic system. Economics. It's about employer, employee kind of thing, which is really, really cool. Now, a Hebrew could become a servant to another Hebrew forever. Like, hey, you know what? I'm doing good here. I'm staying here. You know, I'm, I'm going to just stay here with my master. I'm going to stay in this condition that I'm in right now. And, uh, and of course, in order for a Hebrew servant to signify he would serve forever, he would have an all thrust through his ear at the door. Very oh, interesting. Yeah. Once again, the gates, the doors. This is all about covenant. Remember, uh, Ruth and, and, and she had to go to see uh, Boaz and the elders. They had to go at the gate. It's, it's, a, it's a place of influence. Uh, so once again, the, Yeshua is the door. Think about it. And we can have that right there. Uh, so once again, moving on here, think about that. All the firstling males that come from the herd and the flock, they were sanctified unto the Lord. All the firstling males that come from the herd and the flock, the firstborn. Uh, they were, of course, sanctified unto the Lord. Very interesting. Why could the Lord take the firstborn of Egypt, Ryan? Because the firstborn, the firstborn, firstborn belonged, to, belonged him. to him. They belonged to him. So here we go. We're, we're in Deuteronomy 16. We're finishing up here with some really good stuff. Yeah, we are. We have, of course, the three festivals each year. Uh, now, once again, these are called the national feast days. Three national feast days are uh, Passover, uh, Pentecost and Tabernacles. Just going to give you their English names. These are the three national feast days, Passover, Pentecost, and Tabernacles. All right. Now, the children of Israel are commanded not to eat any leaven for seven days. There you go. There's pa Pesach or Passover. And there are seven weeks counted between the Feast of Passover and the Feast of Weeks. There's your Pentecost or the Feast of Weeks or Shavuot. Then we have the children of Israel to celebrate for seven days during the Feast of Tabernacles or Sukkot. Once again, the number seven is a cycle. It's, it's the number four, completion. Completion, just like in the 70 weeks in Daniel. There's one week left to be fulfilled. We are waiting for that to happen. Uh, Deuteronomy 16, 14, Ryan, you want to go ahead and read that? It says, And thou shalt rejoice in thy feast, thou and thy son and thy daughter and thy manservant and thy maidservant and the Levite, the stranger and the fatherless and the widow that are within thy gates. Now check this out. Here we go. There are three times during the year where all the males are to appear before the Lord in the place he would choose. In That's the right. place he would choose. That's right. Three times the male was, would appear. By the way, that means that they're leading their families. This is, this is like the first promise keepers meeting. <laughs> Once again, what are the three? 
Yeah, it's Passover, Passover, Pentecost, Pentecost, Tabernacles. tabernacles, Amen. Everybody sees that. Three national feast days. So in closing, we know that these three national feast days represent God's redemptive plan. We know that Passover has been fulfilled and is being fulfilled. Coming out of Egypt, being born again. Being born again, it's happening today. Go to two-thirds of this national feast day redemptive plan. We move into what? Pentecost, Shavuot. Was the Torah given? Yes. Did the Holy Spirit fall in Acts 2? Yes. Is the Holy Spirit continuing to be poured out? The answer is yes to two-thirds of God's redemptive yes plan. Yes We're leading up to the last one-third, Ryan, herding cats. <laughs> the Feast of Ingathering. I'm telling you, the Feast of Ingathering. We're you know, working on it. Uh, my, my little daughter wandered off here out of the office, and we had to go find her. But, you know, I'm just telling you guys, it's important that we come together. There's a family reunion happening right now. So in, in closing here, these three national feast days give you the redemptive plan of God. Ryan, we are already 2,000 years towards this in gathering. Don't be afraid to be in a room full of people. That's right. You never know what you're going to share. You never know what you're going to do, you know. And so here we have an incredible conclusion to this Torah portion, Ryan. I can't even stress it enough, those three national feast days. No, it's fantastic, too. And I'll tell you what, you know, uh, you know Solomon said, there's nothing new under the sun. Amen? That's right. And then and Malachi says, uh, "Are those the two things you got out of the Torah portion?" I'm giving it. I'm, I'm, just, I'm kind of giving you my whole synopsis here. What I'm what I'm getting about the three national feast days. And so it's, there's nothing new under the sun. Uh, in Malachi, God says, "I am the Lord thy God. I change not." Right. So He doesn't change. And I've heard a lot of theologians when they're speaking say that God. The way that God has always done things is the way that God will always do things. The things go in cycles. That's right. That's true. So if I'm taking all of this evidence and I'm putting it together and I'm an attorney, right, and I'm putting laying out uh, my case, then I believe that Passover, Pentecost, and Tabernacles are relevant for today, that they should be celebrated by Christians because Absolutely. they are rehearsals for the plan of redemption. And if we are the redeemed people of God, then we should say so. And how do we say so? By keeping the feast. Amen? Amen. Little Evie, we'll say hi to everybody. Say hi. Say hi. She's not going to have it. We got some <laughs> listeners. They want to listen to the podcast. Do you want to say hi to Josiah? Or hi, Mommy? Mm. You want to say hi to Mommy? Say hi, Mommy. Yeah, she's not having it. <laughs> Did you want to say anything? Oh, wow. She's going to be quiet now. Yeah. Yeah. So she's talking over here, and then she comes over here. and. But you heard her in the background. That's right. That's Eva right. Jesse. That's right. All right. Praise God. Thank you guys for listening, man. What a great tour portion. The tour portion, Re'e, which means behold or see. Um, the book of Deuteronomy, man, we're already like blazing through the book of Deuteronomy. I'll tell you what, this is a great book of the Bible, the last words of a dying man. Um, if you guys want to reach out to me, as you know, you can hit me up at ryan at twopraise.net, ryan at twopraise.net. Oh, we got some words from Eva Jesse. That's awesome. Telling <laughs> me a picture. And uh, uh, myself, Pastor Nick, and uh, Eva Jesse would like to say bless you and have a great week. <laughs> <laughs>